Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Aneta, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports, joined today by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. We're here to recap weekend action in NWSL, all 10 teams partaking in five matches over the course of Saturday and Sunday. There's a lot to get through, and we're going to get through it all. But first, a quick reminder that you can all follow us on Twitter at Attacking Third and that you can watch NWSL full game extended highlights at youtube.com slash attacking third. So please subscribe to our YouTube page so that you do not miss a thing. It'll help you stay in line with what we're going to be talking about today on these recaps. Lisa, how you doing today? You ready to get into it? Of course I am, Sandra. It's a good, busy weekend of NWSL action. I just had a bowl of ice cream before we started recording, so I'm sugared up and ready to go for this episode. <laughs> Delicious. I'm, I'm I'm jealous. I also had ice cream today. It was a good summer day to have ice cream, but I did not have it before recording. Uh, I went with like a kind of a vanilla candy crunch vibe. What did you Ooh, go with today? I had chocolate peanut butter, chocolate base, peanut butter ribbons throughout. It was delicious. Uh, just like a little Reese's cup, but ice cream, which makes it way better. I like that we both had ice cream today. We were on the same page, you know, yeah. with our dietary <laughs> needs for it, today. <laughs> it was it was a feeling. It was a feeling. I felt I mean, I'm not going to lie. I probably have ice cream every day. It's a, it's a good one. It's a, it's an essential part of the the, the diet. Actually, I heard uh, it's science. I heard that it was in fact science who said that ice cream is an essential part every day of your daily <laughs> daily daily diet. Oh my goodness! Uh, hot ones throughout this weekend and some of these end of Esau games. So I hope uh, players treated themselves to some frozen treats as well. Let's get into it. Let's start recapping these games. Uh, first up, we had one sole game taking place on Saturday, Lisa. It was Chicago Red Stars versus Kansas City NWSL. Trying to recall the predictions. I think I went with uh, the home side here. I think I went with Chicago, but I don't know if you and I predicted a scoreline like this. They took this win, all three points on three goals. They defeat Kansas City 3-0 on a hot and muggy night in Bridgeview, Illinois. Lisa, let me tell you about it. Uh, tough, tough one. And uh, it was curious uh, to see how the Red Stars were going to line up in this one because they're still without some pretty some pretty key uh, pieces and that included somebody like a Danny Colaprico on their injury report as well. A new addition along with uh, Vanessa Di Bernardo, who is uh, undergoing concussion protocol. And as we know in the preview, we've been talking about it. Uh, Julie Ertz and Alyssa Nair uh, have been have been missing from the team after uh, picking up injuries uh, throughout the Olympics. But this was 
the welcome home game uh, for the Chicago Red Stars and their Olympians. And uh, it was nice to sort of uh, see that happening. There was a really, really good energy, uh, despite all of the, the hot and humid and mugginess uh, going out uh, throughout the air there. And there was a really nice segment uh, that the Chicago Red Stars, where they actually brought on some additional Olympians. So there were some some other uh, Chicago and Native uh, Olympians and Paralympians that they paid homage to during halftime as well. I thought that was a fun little component. Uh, but the scoreline, Really came to life, I think, in the second half. They, uh, the Red Stars really got going. Really, it took them a little while to do that. Didn't get the opening goal till about a half hour in. And then they just extended that scoreline in the second half. Uh, Kansas City, though, <laughs> tough, <laughs> tough, tough, tough. It just, they come off of a win and then they pick up a loss uh, like this. It's, it's a, uh, it's one of those things that we're talking about this Kansas City team, Lisa, and we're like, what are the things that they are going to build on moving forward in this second half? And they had a win. They were going on the road to Chicago off of a win, but then they pick up a loss like this. So what do they what do they come out of of a weekend like this in terms of taking taking this type of loss on the road? Yeah, and for Kansas City, this loss, um, it's a big one coming against a team like Chicago, like you mentioned, who had a number of injuries. And when you look at the lineup for Kansas City, Katie Bowen, who I just saying, I really like her in the center of the pitch. I like her in the midfield as that number six position. And again, Chicago, she was slotted back outside on the flanks uh, under Hugh Williams. And that's okay, but she is a much better distributor of the ball when she's in the center of the field. I really like to see Bowen there. Um, but I don't think that Chicago, I mean, like you mentioned, Chicago didn't run away with this game until the second half. The first, honestly, 15, 20 minutes of this game, Kansas City was right there in it. They actually had a little bit of uh domination in the middle of the field because they took out Chicago's midfielders at the start. But like you mentioned, they were without Colaprico and DiBernardo, who are their main midfielders for Chicago. Um, and then after the first hydration break around the 30 minute mark, that half hour mark, that is when Chicago, they needed that break. The first 30 minutes was like, okay, this is our warm up. We're really hot. No one actually really wants to move or do anything on this pitch. <laughs> and then after the hydration break, I'm sure Rory Danes was like, okay, time to play soccer, score some goals, let's go do it. And none other than Sarah Waldmo. I mean, heck of a game from her. I know you were at this one, but watching the replays for me and for everyone else that watched this game on TV, she just so happy after she scored those goals, well-deserved goals from yeah. her, two of them in this match, um, both off set pieces, which is huge. I think that says a lot as well that Kansas city was able to hold Chicago to no run of play goals until uh, what the last one was so like the 80th minute or yeah. something. However, the first two goals for Chicago came off set pieces. Uh, one was a corner kick. One was almost identical to a corner mm -hmm. kick, a set piece just a few yards in from the corner. But that's that's showing for Kansas City. I mean, that's something they can hang their hat on, that it wasn't a run-of-play goal to to really make this big difference in this match. Um, but remember, Kansas City, uh, they played earlier this week on Wednesday. Yeah. There were four teams that played. There were four teams that had quick turnarounds and – Four teams, those four teams that played on Wednesday did not get results this weekend, which something to say. And this first team was the Kansas City one. It's a really quick turnaround from yeah. Wednesday. 
Saturday. It was, it was, it was a tough break. I think uh, to make it to that half hour mark and to sort of head into halftime down one zero, uh, just because watching that game a little bit from, from the press box, uh, you know, it just sort of looked like that. It just sort of looked like the, uh, neither team was really taking control of, of the match really early on in, in, in that point of the first half. Um, Chicago had majority of the possession, but just really weren't wasn't doing a whole lot with it, quite frankly. And Kansas City, obviously the team on the road on short rest, kind of content to sort of pick and choose their opportunities. So they were kind of even to close out that first half in terms of shots. I think it was like five to seven or, you know, then it was like actual attempts on target was like two to three in favor actually of of Kansas Mm -hmm. City. But um it just it just took a little while uh, to get going. You sort of saw Chicago finally kind of bringing things on just before the hydration break. They started, you know, winning on the other side of the fouls, you know, and then kind of winning set pieces, winning corners. And you sort of saw some things happening. Um, to put it bluntly, Casey Short was getting involved <laughs> in there. Casey Kruger, excuse me, was getting involved into a lot of things into the buildup of the play there. And um we heard a lot during this week leading up to this game from Chicago specifically, the sort of boost that the team was getting, uh, getting some, so many of their Olympians back. So they, they lost four to the, to the Olympics, but are getting back to and interna Davidson and Casey Kruger. And while they're two defensive pieces for the Chicago Red Star team, they're two defensive pieces that can, really get involved in the attack when they wanted to. Tina Davidson is a really great connector and able to really feed a long through ball if necessary at the center back position. And somebody like Casey Short, who has always kind of been on the flank for Chicago, whether it's uh, left or right, to see her kind of get in, involved in the attack and really kind of getting inverted in, at times uh, to sort of help kind of become the sort of extra you know, midfielder at, at times. But that's really what led to that opening goal um, as they were winning some set piece opportunities ahead of that hydration break and then coming out of it, building up, winning another one, and then seeing Sarah Wold won't get that goal, which was huge. You're absolutely correct, Lisa. Like you just saw sort of like the joy on uh, on the team's face and, and and her face, you know, veteran of the league. And quite frankly, a huge, huge piece uh, for Chicago looking back now as we're kind of in this final third of the season and you're looking at all of the moves, right? The early moves that maybe teams made to sort of assemble their teams for their 2021 season. And Sarah Waldmole came to Chicago via Gotham FC with a, with a trade along with Mal Pugh. And maybe at the time Mal Pugh is like the, the headline, right? But Sarah Waldmole has, has been such a, integral piece for Chicago this year playing multiple games in the midfield as as the midfielders have had to rotate due to the Olympic departures due to multiple injuries for Chicago as they've had throughout this year and uh, it's been huge so for her to not just have one but two goals in this match just sort of felt incredibly symbolic not just for this particular player and what she has meant to this team but really this team as a whole Chicago a team that has just kind of struggled quite frankly uh, to just sort of have a very kind of you know consistent performances throughout this league and they're one of those teams uh that don't have games in hand uh towards the Mm -hmm. end of the season they have before this one they had eight games left under their belt they're one of the teams that have been had a lot more of those games uh, behind them versus some other teams so it's really go time for them so i think i was looking for kind of like a, a big performance and i think we got it from the chicago red stars team 
Yeah, we talk about the standings at the end of this episode, so stick around for those when we go through them. But the the standings shook up this weekend after all these matches. Chicago started this weekend number seven, and the top six teams make the playoffs. And we're not we're nearing the nearing the end, but we're not at the end yet. Yeah. Now Chicago, they sit at number five, so they're above that bubble line for the playoffs. So this is the point in the season where you cannot be dropping three points anymore after these games, especially a team like Chicago that has dropped a number of points. They can't settle for a tie. They need three points and they need a win, uh, which is what they got on Saturday against Kansas city. So great job by them. And they jumped in the standings of two spots, which looking forward, that's a really good place to be. Now they can keep climbing and keep building off this winning momentum. For sure. You know, looking uh, ahead to this this first match of Sunday, because we had four games that we got to get through in this Sunday game. So we're going to break them up for you guys. So just bear with us. Uh, but this first match to kind of kick everything off, Washington Spirit versus North Carolina Courage. Going into this weekend of games, this that's how this was pitched. It was sort of built like, you know, these sort of top tier teams. It was, you know, number two, number three at the time going head to head. And trying to see how things are going to come out. And we, I don't think we chose, we chose winners in this one, right? Lisa, yeah, we, we had, were like, we had a lot of goals. I think I had North Carolina two to one. I think you yeah. had Washington two to one. Two to one. Yeah. And we were like, there's going to be a, like, there's going to be a winner in this match. And I think I also was like, watch, we just jinxed it. And we did like did. naturally. Uh, but both of these, these two teams, Played out to a 0-0 draw at Audi Field. As much and fun as a, a game with four, five, three goals is, I honestly really like to watch the defensive battle. You know me, same. Sandra. You know how my mind works. I love no, it. I'm, I'm right there with you. I love I love a good, uh, <laughs> I love a good uh, clean sheet, or in this case, a scoreless draw. Uh, but not, you know, I think people look at that sort of uh, scoreline and they think, well, what is there to see or what is there to witness? didn't miss much, but that's not necessarily true. Again, we're talking about how these standings are, are so narrow and how they got shaken up again after another weekend. They have been doing that consistently throughout this entire year. And that happened again this weekend and again with this particular match. So these two teams, I really thought at one point, Lisa, the spirit were maybe going to sort of get one to kind of work in their favor, but it just didn't happen uh, on this evening. We got to see, again, we're again talking about Olympians kind of giving a little bit of a boost. Uh, we saw Kelly O'Hara out there for Washington Spirit really getting involved in the attack. They're kind of becoming a, an extra part, uh, you know, for an option offensively. They're serving balls in when the opportunity provided, just they weren't able to just get one in there. We sort of saw these kind of like 10, 12, 15 minute stretches where they were, Looking very promising, but just nothing in the back of the net. And credit to the goalkeeping in this one, of course. Uh, while we were so blinded by the offensive dynamic attacks of both of these teams offer, maybe we forgot a little bit about the fact that there are great goalkeepers <laughs> in this game as well. Like it just did, it just didn't happen for for either side. But I think one of the the other bigger things coming out of this game, Lisa, was you know the fact that Paul Riley eventually shifted out of that you know, that staple box midfield of North Carolina courage. That's really been their bread and butter uh, for this courage team under, uh, you know, his coaching tenure with them. And we just saw that shift uh, a little bit and they played in a bit of a three back in the majority of this game. And it was interesting listening to, to some of the things coming out of, of post game reactions 
And hearing somebody like uh, head coach Paul Riley kind of talk about the decision making and all of that leading up to this game, how it was really maybe about 48 hours out of this match and all of the game planning that the concept of a three back was 100 percent like on the table for this team to potentially uh, shift into if they needed to. So a lot of things in this match, even though there weren't a ton of goals, Lisa. I think one thing with the starting lineup and, and switching to a three back and how that decision came to be so late, it was right before the match that uh, center back and star defender yeah. for North Carolina, Abby Ursek was questionable for this match. And because of that, I think a coach like, Paul Riley looks at his his back line and says, okay, what do we do? How do we keep the ball farther up the field so there isn't so much pressure on our back line? And maybe we don't have anyone fill in in her hole, in her gap that Urseg leaves in the back line. Instead, we just put more firepower higher up the field. And that's exactly what he did. He had Diane Caldwell step into the back line, who she is – very, very capable in that back line. She's the Irish international for the courage, and she does a great job. Remember, also heading into this matchup, Salone was out on a red card from last match for North Carolina, so she was unavailable in the midfield. Uh, so Kari Bricaro stepped into the midfield, which it did start out as a box. So for a yeah. team like Washington Spirit, when you start that match and you see the lineup on the other side of the the halfway line, you see, okay, they're in their box. It's really traditional. And then as soon as that shift happens, that is when North Carolina has the upper hand. They know what they're doing. And now Washington has to figure out a different game plan because up until that moment, every team in the NWSL goes into a match against Paul Riley in North Carolina, knowing that they are about to go up against a box midfield that is led by Dabinia. At this point, it wasn't. So North yeah. Carolina having the upper hand in that. Also in the starting lineup, um, Amy Rodriguez and Lynn Williams up top, Jess McDonald on the bench, who then eventually came in um, for A-Rod into the match, which, of course, we're not denying that that happened and needed to happen. She provided a spark for them. But interesting to not see the box midfield. They yeah. they go with the three they pushed Merritt Mathias higher up the field who sends lots of crosses in uh, we saw Gotham do this a few weeks ago with Freya Coombe she she pushed Caprice Didasco higher up the field um but yeah, it, it almost kind of feels like even though we're sort of in I guess what could be considered this final stretch or final third of games like there's still opportunities I think maybe for head coaches who are thinking like mm -hmm. there's still this very small window of time where we're maybe going to have to make if we want to try to make some tactical adjustments or changes we could still maybe do that but also maybe you know things like injuries are, are possibly mm -hmm. kind of like forcing their hand to do that you know no Abby Ersig in this one listed as questionable uh, early on and maybe a part of that is shifting things around to try to make sure things work with the personnel that you currently have in place um, and Ersig is a player that they're going to want to have healthy and ready to go when they really are kind of pushing those final you know four-ish like type weeks down in the season um perhaps if they're still chasing uh, a shield at that time you know you want to have uh, all of your best personnel available so you know that maybe it's just one of those things where it's like you kind of sort of looking at the roster that you have available and maybe saying 
this is the game where we're going to do it. It's going to happen this way. And, and why not? I think that North Carolina dominated the flanks of the field against this Washington Spirit team. They had crosses in. They they had space in the wide areas. Um, and now after this match, North Carolina goes unbeaten in six games. And I just have to talk about the standings. I know we'll get there. But Washington, mm-hmm. they, they only pick off a point in this game. So they started this weekend yeah. at number three. They dropped to number six because other teams like Chicago got a win and jumped over Washington. Um, So this, this week was huge for movement in the standings and we saw Chicago climb and Washington is a team that, that fell from it. Um, But I I do want to give some love to the goalkeepers because Bledsoe, she had, I think five saves in this one, Casey Murphy. She had a tremendous game four saves in this one. Really. Uh, I, I think the forwards provided a lot of firepower. And in this preview for this one, I said that the goalkeepers were going to have a lot of work to do. Um, and they definitely did. I, Ashley Sanchez, I mean, heck of a game. She has a hard time scoring against North Carolina. Uh, maybe there's something that gets in her head there, but she had a really good game. But Casey Murphy and Aubrey Bledsoe, phenomenal job between the pipes for both of these squads. Yeah, for sure. And obviously in, in, this, in a 0-0 game, I think people are, you know, perhaps looking at things uh, going on, whether that's during the match, on the pitch, off the pitch. And there was uh, some news circulating around Twitter, around supporters groups who were at the time uh, currently in the stands trying to support their team. And there was a supporters group sign saying, uh, sell the team, Steve, in reference to uh, owner Steve Baldwin. And uh, we're just bringing that up to our listeners because that's what we do here. We keep everybody informed as best as we can. And uh, they were asked to take it down. So there was some friction there uh, going on. You know, uh, we've been talking about the Spirit team for a little while, you know, Lisa, to sort of in a different lens outside of, uh, you know, them kind of going on maybe an early Olympic stretch where they were getting some some wins and, and some results uh, to kind of having to shift things because things are happening uh, within the organization that we have, have been having to discuss, things that are obviously impacting uh, the players on the pitch. And uh, in in light of that, obviously, supporters groups are also uh, making their feelings known as well. And this was something that came out of this game uh, as well, something that I'm sure that we're going to continue to keep our eyes on. Uh, Tough uh, to see that happen, honestly, in the middle of a game when players are trying to you know, get a result, do their job, essentially. And, uh, you know, it sort of takes away from, you know, the players. But that's not to say that, uh, you know, if ownerships are going to make decisions that they're going to make, that means that supporters groups are going to say how they feel about that. And that's just sort of how things work. And it is unfortunate to see that the supporters that did go out there to spend their money and support the team kind of had some friction, you know, had a tense moment there kind of uh, throughout the match. And like you said, it takes away from the game. And it's not to say that the supporters shouldn't be voicing their opinion. They should. They're right. They bought tickets and they are there supporting the team. And that's their opinion that they they want to put up that sign. Um, but like all over social media, that's all you saw was the sign. Yeah. I didn't hear much about the game, honestly, on social when you went on Twitter. It was all about the sign. And yeah, that's our job here. Give you guys, the listeners, the the news and what's happening in the league. And yeah, this happened. I'm sure there will be much more to come out of this Washington Spirit organization. Yeah, it was a on a 
you know, personal, it was just it's kind of discouraging to see it. You know, it, it looked as from based on the timeline that everything that was happening, that uh, one of the supporters groups that was expressing themselves is the sole supporters group uh, for people of color and marginalized folks. So to sort of it's just very frustrating and very disheartening to just sort of see that 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 was the fight that uh, ownership had asked to to sort of to pick uh, with that particular supporters group. So I know that the the league is always looking for ways to try to engage, uh, you know, fans, fans of color and marginalized communities. So I think, you know, this is maybe potentially it could be an opportunity, you know, versus actually something that's, uh, you know, viewed as like a, a pain. So you, you don't want something like that to be looked at like that. I hope that they would look at it as an opportunity to try to, you know, have dialogue or to grow and uh, learn from and we'll see if anything comes out of it and we'll keep our listeners posted. But first, Lisa, there's still three more games to get through. So we got to take a break. I need to hydrate. Let's do this hydration break real quick. And we will be right back to close out the weekend of games. Cheers. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost. Everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Finally, not letting the gut here. Locked in paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching, these have been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. This is a big one. I'm ready to talk about this game, Lisa, because I think when we were previewing this game, Gotham FC versus Orlando Pride, we kind of had this one circled along with other ones, quite frankly, because it's it's we're getting down that final stretch. But this one in particular was like a real middle table battle. So we were very curious as to how this was going to play out. And this one went in favor of the Pride Orlando on the road against Gotham, winning this one 1-0 on quite the goal from Erica Timrat, quite frankly. It was a stunner. Go back and check those highlights on our YouTube page if you missed them. Uh, but a narrow one-goal win was all they needed on this one to get, pick up all three points. Uh, final game for head coach Freya Kuma. She makes her eventual departure from the team uh, in light of recent news uh, with her being appointed as the first head coach of Angel City FC, who are slated to join the league in 2022. Uh, and tough, honestly, Lisa, I think tough, tough skid of games to make your exit. Uh, Gotham in a bit of a rut right now. Whoever comes in to take over for this team has got some work to do in front of them. Gotham FC, a team that was really turning some heads to start the year, you know, a challenge 2021 Challenge Cup finalist. They made it all the way to the final there against Portland Thorns. Got off to a strong start in their season. They're now winless in their last six matches, and they're it's not, it's not a great stat, yeah. Saying goodbye to their coach, so a uh, tough one, tough one here to for, for Gotham, I think. 
really tough one. And I think a tough way for head coach Farrakhum to go out and, and on her personal note, of course, she's looking to the future in Angel City, but she had a lot of pride in this Gotham team uh, with the rebrand and how it was her first professional coaching gig. Um, I know when I had spoken with her before broadcast and before games, she just said that sometimes she has these pinch me moments where she's coaching professional athletes and just, like Carly Lloyd, none other than um, and I'm sure disappointing for her to go out like this, but this was a game leading up to it in our preview. I think I had this one slated as a draw because I knew it was going to be a battle and it was quite the battle. I think it was Carly Lloyd against Ashlyn Harris and Ashlyn Harris won yeah. the saves that we saw from Ashlyn Harris. Um, she's always makes great saves, yeah. but phenomenal. And the shots from Carly Lloyd were really, really clinical. Great job. So, Harris actually had to make really tough saves, um, but this was huge. I think Ashlyn Harris, she made history, right? NWSL, uh, all-time leader of saves, 469, I believe. Um, all, most of them from this game coming off Carly Lloyd shots, which pretty cool. That's a pretty cool stat. <laughs> it's, so, it's honestly like it's the joy I get when like there's those really good sort of individual like one-on-one -on -one battles that you see happening or like developing over the mm -hmm. course of the 90 minutes it, they're just they're just so delightful and the fact that it was the two veterans with yes. such long histories with each other that, that's what it was it was it was so great to sort of see like there was a moment where there was a save and like it was a painful save from Ashton Harris. She just like was in the right spot at the right time, but she needed a second to get on up and 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 both of them kind of laughing it off together. It was just uh, you just love to see that. That's and, uh, that's it. Players between like Carly Lloyd and Ashlyn Harris who know each other. They've known each other for years. They are veterans in this league. They have those moments to laugh it off. But Lloyd and Harris probably the most intense stare downs in the league. For sure. Ashlyn Harris, I mean, <laughs> you see when she makes eye contact with an opponent, it is like death stare. And Lloyd does the same thing. And it was so fun to see both sides of that rivalry, the laughing it off, like, hey, you okay? Yeah. And also like, I am going to defeat you in this match. Yeah. It was so fun. So fun yeah. to watch this game. Um, S similarly to, to the spirit, though, Lisa, I was like, man, any second now, Gotham's yeah. going to get one. And it just didn't happen. It just, it just didn't happen. They were... They had moments. They had opportunities. There were time and space that they were spending in the final third there. They were getting shots off. They were getting good looks, and it just did not happen for this team. I really thought for a second there it was going to close out with a like a, another draw, like a 1-1 draw, but it just didn't. This one went in favor of Orlando. So whether it was Carly Lloyd really kind of having that that, that battle with, with Ash and Harris, but watching players like Anamanu and Kawasumi still doing what they're, mm -hmm. what they've been doing on and off the ball. I was just like, yeah, it's going to happen like any second here, but it just, it just didn't. And, and also with starting lineups that we've touched on for other matches for Orlando pride, Courtney Peterson and Amy Turner to, um, uh, consistent players in the Pride's back line were not there. So they had uh, players step in and still to keep a clean sheet against this Gotham squad with Kawasumi and Anamano and Lloyd is really telling of how much of a team effort defensively this was for Orlando Pride. I think Allie Krieger in post-game press conference or, or Becky Burley head coach said about Allie Krieger in post-game that 
Krieger said, hey, we need to defend against Lloyd. And it really just ripple effect throughout the team on the defensive side of the ball. And that's what we saw. And you touched on the Erica Timrak, the long range shot, the game winning goal from her. It was a very far out on the flank of the field. She only had Jody Taylor running in the center. And when the the shot, um, I'm calling it a shot. When the shot came in from the far flanks of the field, you knew it was a shot immediately because there was no players around the box. Um, yeah. Jody Taylor was the closest one and she was at the top of the 18. And then even uh, the NWSL Twitter tweeted out that it was a Shross shot <laughs> cross and Tim Hackery tweeted it and she said, no, this was a shot. I, I knew that they were out of position. Kaylin Sheridan was out of position in goal for Gotham and that she could find the side netting. And that's exactly what Tim Rack did. And really a beautiful goal from her. The celebration yeah. was fun too. That's what yeah. celebrations this weekend were really good. These, these games this weekend were great. I enjoy, honestly, I enjoyed every single one of them. And I love that. Like sitting like Tim Rack was just so clutch. Mm -hmm. And right now LaRue is credited with the assist on that. And like one of the other reasons why we were like keeping an eye on this match so closely was because this golden boot race is starting to take like shape and it's getting shaken up. And it's like so even there's multiple players with seven goals, six goals, right? And Sydney LaRue and Ipiyama Anumanu are two players with the seven goals kind of tied for this sort of mm -hmm. first place position alongside with, with Ashley Hatch. But Anumanu kind of has that little tiebreaker with the two assists. So for LaRue to kind of get this extra assist, it sort of is still kind of keeping things kind of tight and narrow and close in that golden boot race. So uh, we'll see what comes out in the, in the coming weeks from, from these particular attacks attacking players but uh big big tough one for for gotham but big one for orlando for sure uh let's uh keep keep rolling here uh, to close out sunday we've got another big match another one that we had circled another one that we were so excited about <laughs> the cascadian rivalry pacific northwest all rain versus portland thorns oh rain take this one again they defeat portland thorns two to one big game doubleheader at lumen field it was kind of a historic a little bit. It was their first time, you know, playing back in the, in that stadium and just huge, huge record breaking crowd. Lisa over 20, over 27,000 people. It was a new uh, NWSL record and a uh, huge, it was so it, great to sort of see that coming in on the stream. So huge. And for those who haven't been around, haven't been following this league as closely, this game was played at Lumen Field, like Sandra just mentioned, getting that record. Lumen Field is where the Seattle Seahawks and the Seattle Sounders play. So NFL Seahawks, Sounders, MLS. OL Reign typically plays at Cheney Stadium, which is a minor league baseball field and also where the USL team, Tacoma Defiance, I believe, the Tacoma, the USL team plays. So this was huge for them to be able to play at this stadium, which clearly it worked because they were able to get over 27,000 fans uh, out to watch this game. And like Sandra mentioned, a doubleheader. So the Sounders were up next after OL Reign. But this is really big. It shows that the game is growing. I mean, even on a, the grand scale of just the American side of soccer is growing, that fans in America care about the game of soccer, which really wasn't the case a few years ago. It's growing as an entire sport in this country. And the women's side, of course, is growing, is growing, is growing. We have two expansion teams coming next year in the NWSL. So this was a huge milestone for OL Reign, for the NWSL, and for soccer in general. I just loved the – I just love when – 
the setting helps provide right it just provided so much it's like this was our this is already a rivalry. It's a rivalry everybody knows that no matter where where they're playing this was a this was a rivalry dating back to when my god when the the rain played at a memorial field and that was a tough you want to talk about tough facilities that was a tough tough facility it was you might as well have been like they might as well have been playing basketball that's how the, the ball <laughs> moved on that on that pitch back in the day um but I just I just love that. I love when when the setting provides and it absolutely provided in this one. Megan Rapino having another huge, huge game for this and a penalty team. kick. You called it, Sandra. You were like, what are the chances? She gets another PK. She'll be one, but she's not getting two. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was and I was laughing when I saw it happening. I was like, Of course, man. I'm like, this is awesome. Uh, but another one. This is the second, you know, consecutive week where Megan Rapino is coming in and having a huge game like this. And I know we allude like alluded to this and have touched on it a little bit with certain teams, whether it was at the top of this podcast when we're talking about Chicago or now with Ole Rain, but the boost and that certain teams are getting with the return of their Olympians, it is so noticeable. And if you're looking at the rain, it is as well. And while you're wondering if that formula will continue to work <laughs> for the rain, the formula of Megan Rapino needs to keep having big games. <laughs> it's a dangerous formula, but it's a fun one for right now. But we can't forget about somebody like Roosevelt who has just been outstanding over these last two weeks from last week to this week, all over the pitch, creating chances, opening up lanes, just ridiculous. Uh, this The way this team looks when she's on the pitch versus when she's not, unreal. And then having somebody like Jess Fishlock being able to sort of play in and slot alongside with these players, you want to talk about moments of joy and looking like delightful soccer. Nobody looked like they were having more fun out there than just Fishlock in this game. Uh, fantastic. And shout out to the Thorns, honestly, for making it a game. That first had that first 45 minutes of this game, absolutely thrilling. Uh, kind of ended up playing out the way that it did in the second half here. The 2-1 scoreline held through all the way to 90 minutes, uh, but that's that wasn't for for lack of effort or lack of action uh, in this one. It was it was another good one, I think, to to add into another page of the rivalry for these two teams. A really really fun matchup. Uh, Les Omer was in the starting lineup for OL range. She was out with concussion protocol. We knew in our preview episode that she was questionable still, so it was good addition for OL Rain in the lineup. I mean. Sandra, when you look at the attacking players that OL Reign has on the field, especially in this one against Portland, Fishlock, Lesomer, Rose Lavelle, Rapino, Marjan, like their attacking firepower is insane. Yes. So to see them be able to do this and knock Portland off their incredible winning streak, this is yes. the first loss that the Thorns have had since June, everyone. Yeah. June. Now they're still at the top of the standings because they have a very nice cushion of points, but this is really big. This is really big for OL Reign and all of those players to go out and, and win this rivalry and to get this, this, these three points for OL Reign. And Portland's still getting one on the board with Angela Salem. Holy yeah. cow. What a shot from yeah, her. Great volley. Yeah. Incredible volley. Go watch the highlights, youtube.com slash attacking third. But the, it really just good stuff. And honestly, the starting lineups again for this one, OL Rain putting it out on Twitter before the match uh, that they were going to have a four back with Quinn in the back line. 
that did not happen. Couldn't push <laughs> forward. Um, which like I looked at that and I was like, okay, this will be fun because that's not where are they going to be at? And they, they weren't on the back line at all. It was they funny to see not. that. It, it was funny to see that that formation for sure. I think some some folks were like, oh, like uh Sophia Huerta is going to play center back, and I'm like, no, nah, I don't think that's going to happen. Nope. But, she, but she was on the back line; she was out at the wing. Uh, she was at the, the wing back position uh, for this team, and yeah, linking up really well with with Megan Rapino. I think there was a mischance there when 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 Huerta served in a ball and it connected with Megan Rapino on a header, but it went just wide, and you could just see like they were feeling it. They were feeling it at that moment. She was just so bummed that she wasn't able to to nail and connect on it. But it's just so watching this team. This all rain team. I mean, they're looking like the team that we asked ourselves if they were going to ever get to this point and look like. And granted, they've got three players from Lyon on their team. And there's going to be a lot of people maybe saying some things about that. But that's not to to take away. I mean, this is some real champagne problems, you know, for this team. Because we're looking at the performances that are happening over these last couple of weeks from them behind somebody like a Megan Rapinoe off of strong games from somebody like Roosevelt. And then you're looking at their bench and it's like, are you kidding me? It's like, you've got Bethany Balser just, who's got like six goals of her own this year to just be able to come on in, you know, like ZR King is still part of this team. Like Angelina who came in late, the Brazilian international came in late into this game. So it's just like, we have been talking a lot about this Portland Thorns team in terms of their depth and what they have been doing this year. And we will continue to do that. They're the first top place team for a reason right now. Uh, but when you're talking about the latter half of a season and kind of putting together a streak and getting hot at the right time, we need to really start looking at old rain here. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fun, fun final stretch uh, for sure. But we've got a low on the last game to get there. Lisa, you ready? I am so ready. Houston Dash versus Racing Louisville FC. Narrow scoreline. Houston Dash take this one at home 1-0. It was enough to get them some points and sort of make sure that they still have their eye, Lisa, on those on those top six standings because they're on the outside looking in. But we're gonna once we get through these standings, you're going to see how narrow they are. But the, the narrow scoreline, again, another one. People shouldn't be dissuaded by that because this goal from Rachel Daly, my goodness, what a wonderful goal from the Houston Dash to give them this game winner. It was delightful in the second half. Some great buildup. Michelle Prince connecting with Rachel Daly and just not no hesitation as soon as she got on the end of this ball with a run in the box, puts it away and gets it. It was fantastic. Really fun, fun game um, to watch. But honestly, like the, the goal from Rachel Daly, the combination play – between her and teammates, um, Chapman just did such a nice job uh, working up and down the flanks. And this was the fifth game for Louisville in 15 days. And man, they looked tired, Sandra. Oof. They really did. Oof. They looked exhausted. At one point, Christy Holly taking off Emily Fox, who had done such a tremendous job yeah. lining up with Alicia Chapman for Houston, who was running up and down the flanks. And Fox was doing such a nice job, but she came off the field. I'm not sure if there is an injury problem happening there, but exhaustion from, from this Louisville team. And you could tell it, it really was. There was forced offense, um, but Houston coming out on top. And it's a player like Rachel Daly that 
she turns it on. She has that. There are a few players in this league that in big moments, they come up big. Their energy just changes the game. It changes the team. And Rachel Daly is one of those players. She has a nose for the goal. And when she wants to score, she usually can. And that's what this one was. It was a really, really beautiful goal um, by Rachel Daly. It, it, the shot was amazing. Nichelle Prince with the assist. It was beautiful. And Houston really turned on their offense in the second half. And that was the difference maker. The second half for this one was where Rachel Daly took control of the game and the dash took control. And honestly, they just kept running Louisville. And they were already tired. Racing was already tired. So came out in Houston's favor at the end of this one. Looking ahead a little bit, Lisa, I'm curious to see, you know, how Abby Dalkemper fits into the system. Obviously, she's a center back. She's going to slot in somewhere. You don't make a move for somebody like Abby Dalkemper and not expect to use her. But she is a center back and they've got a pretty good center back doing Katie Narden and Megan Oyster. And I imagine she's going to slot in how she's going to look in this system for Houston Dash moving forward. I'm a little bit uh, I'm a little bit curious to see how it looks like. I, I got to say, I, I think if we're looking at things positionally, I don't know how you move one of them, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we see like a Doc Kemper not in combo here mm-hmm. moving forward. If they, if, if head coach James Clarkson still intends to utilize a four back moving forward. You have to slot Doc Kemper in there. You just do. She's that good that you have to. And you're right. I'm not sure what's going to happen between Oyster and Naughton. I think Naughton is is more of the solidified center back for Houston, um, whereas Oyster plays well off of her. So I think in trainings, um, that's when things will will shake out between what's going to happen with these three center backs. Maybe Oyster goes wide and and stays back there. I, I'm not really sure. Maybe he switches to a three back with Oyster, Naughton, and Dahl Kemper. I think that could be fun to see. We'll see. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, Dahl Kemper was technically available for Sunday's match um, for Houston. She was not on the substitute list, though. But according to the rules, she was able to play in this one. But I believe she was at the game. She was there, but not dressed and not on on the scoring sheet for this match. Abby Dahl Kemper back in the NWSL Houston making the move with North Carolina Courage, $25,000 in allocation money, along with some performance-based incentives to North Carolina Courage. Uh, Which I'm excited to, see to her find back out. What, I want to know what those performance-based incentives are for North Carolina. Well, really, I want to know. We'll see. When, when they kick in, uh, they'll probably be reported, and that's, uh, that's when we'll find out. But uh, we'll see. It's good to have a player like Dal Kemper back in the league after, you know, she played over with uh, Men, Men City for, for a little bit and after playing with a team like the Courage for, for so long. So another really good uh, kind of connecting center back uh, and alongside Naughton, who's known for getting a couple of assists of her own it's just it's going to be interesting to see it's going to be something that we're going to keep our eye on for sure let's close it out with these standings though lisa talk about something that we're keeping our eye on they're still narrow they've been narrow all year and that hasn't changed too much 
after this weekend's match, but let's give you the rundown. Number one is still Portland Thorns FC with 32 points. Number two is North Carolina Courage with 28 points. Number three, OL Rain with 25 points. Orlando Pride is at number four with 24 points. Number five is Chicago Red Stars with 24 points. Number six, Washington Spirit with 23 points. Outside looking in, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC in seventh place with 21 points. Eighth place, Houston Dash with 21 points. Ninth place, Racing Louisville with 16 points. And in 10th place, Kansas City NWSL with 10 points. It's narrow. It's close. And we're going to keep an eye on it moving forward. Folks, I want to thank you all for listening as always. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcast shows. Please leave us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts with a question, and we'll answer it. We're going to introduce our mailbag segment very soon, so stay tuned. We're also available as video. Subscribe to us on YouTube for more episodes and extended NWSL highlights. Visit youtube.com slash attacking third. We will be back Wednesday with more NWSL action with our mailbag segment and more. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was attacking third. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.